Welcome to the podcast where we talk about sustainability and responsible travel. Um, we touch on organizations, we touch on people that are doing the right thing. Um, we're speaking today with Erin Boermans of Comfort ID in Australia. Let me start by saying that I really like flying. For me, it's the start of a holiday, it's the beginning of going to a destination, and I fully enjoy that. But is it now, in these times, safe to fly? They say it is. They say that aircraft have filters, HIPAA filters, hospital-grade filters, making aircraft as safe as or safer than hospitals themselves. But then I read the news, um, entire hospitals being infected, entire planes being infected, and all of a sudden that news stops. So I am wondering how safe are hospitals and therefore how safe is it to fly? I asked Erwin, um, he is an expert in ventilation. He was actually called in to help design the best hospital in the UAE. That's the American hospital. Um, as hospitals are normally actually not that safe. And if hospitals are not that safe, then how safe is it to fly? And are there vested interests that really want you to believe that flying is absolutely safe? So without further ado, here's the podcast with Erwin, based in Australia, still in lockdown. Yep. Okay, this uh, Erwin, um, well, I've seen a lot of articles about uh, people traveling again. And uh, at least here in the UK, not in Australia, because you're still in lockdown, right? Yeah, we are still in lockdown, and we are. Um, yeah, I have had some news today that the planes are going to be uh, flying again, according to our prime minister. But uh, I don't see the COVID numbers go down; they still uh, go up. So um, I don't think it will happen very quickly to Melbourne. But I would love to travel again myself. Fair enough. Obviously, here in the UK, everything is almost back to normal, I would say. People don't even wear masks anymore when they go to shops or, you know, into restaurants or any in indoor place. Uh, even in the tube, it's like 70% of the people don't really don't care anymore, I have the feeling. Um, but, you know, also quite a lot of vaccinations, I suppose. But traveling, um, a lot of people say traveling is, 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 is basically, it's safe. Uh, you saw the articles that I sent you, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I have already a history of having my own, uh, uh, yeah, how do you call it, HVAC glasses on always. Heating, ventilation, and air conditioning is in my genes. It was already a profession of my grandfather, uh, of my dad. And um, yeah, you always look a bit different at how energy is being distributed uh, in a circular way or in a fresh way. And um, yeah, this uh, this whole COVID outbreak is uh, shaking the whole world and uh, also shaking a bit of the paradigms that the big vested interests have, um, have been spreading for a long, long time. In Sweden and in Denmark and in the Netherlands, we are a bit more constrained with energy, especially Sweden, didn't have any coal or gas. And with the oil crisis, when we were little, um, I was six when the oil crisis hit the Netherlands and I cycled on the empty roads on car-free Sundays uh, with my parents and uh, rollerbladed with my friends on the freeways because they were empty. And that kind of set me on this pathway. There is another way. There is a better way to do HVAC in buildings 
an efficient way and a way how you uh, design comfort for people with far less energy and that's with water. So that's the, my kind of uh, engineering that I always dedicate. Uh, and, and I still don't see that happen in a lot of areas, not in hospitals, not in homes here in Australia. 98% of all buildings have ducted systems for air distribution, one in the summer for cooling and one in the winter for heating. And they're independently uh, made in the roofs of all our buildings, very spacious way of building, mm -hmm. so quite expensive in my opinion, because in real estate development when I work in Asian countries and when it's really tight, like in Holland, we also have to make affordable housing and really tight budget always. You design uh, with every square inch that you can save on concrete, you you do that. Uh, but uh, I see above your camera is also uh, or in your studio, you also have some ducted systems uh, on your on your ceiling. So well, I'm moving out it's... at the end of the day. So you know, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so but, yeah, it's it's an interesting one because I should have gone maybe into the hearing aids. The Australians not listening to me. I live here since eleven years, and it's still not getting it. You know, there's, mm. there's this whole COVID <clears throat> crisis. And with hotel quarantine, uh, we've had a few massive problems also in retirement villages, but they still don't change the way how we design buildings and also in aircraft. And as this myth has been spread with, with uh, HEPA filters, that, that cleans the air fantastically. Magically, all nasties are gone. Now, that's not true. And I've got a trained nose, so I know in every environment where there's stale air, I can sense that straight away. And I've written a few articles in Dutch um, to help a few famous people in the Netherlands um, to get that discussion in the right way done. But I was not brave enough to write that in English because I've been warned by a few befriended architects not to do that so okay but you were asked uh, uh, if i may interrupt you were asked to give input uh, for the american hospital in dubai uh, the uae yeah. as the ventilation in hospitals were not up to scratch and the sheik he lost a few members of his family and he wanted to have a proper hospital if i am correct and the king of saudi arabia was hospitalized there because exactly this was better than all the other hospitals that were around this happens all over the world right so i'm yeah, it still, still give me goosebumps that I was 25 years ago, external sales guy in the Netherlands, in the southeast quarter of the country. I had about 6,000 business relations and the two most special engineering companies, they ordered me to come to discuss this very unique uh, challenge that was put to them uh, with a Blanco check to design the world's best hospital. Uh, was put out by the ruler of Dubai to two competing Dutch engineering companies. And they uh, didn't know how to do it. So they ordered me to come because I had a whole suite of products I represented from Sweden, from Germany, from Denmark. And uh, hot water service was uh, related to the Legionella problem. They have in nearly every 
country uh, near the equator. So I knew how to get rid of the Legionella bacteria uh, really well. And uh, then the golden staff bacteria uh, was the other challenge where the Sheik lost another family member on. And the Legionella bacteria grow in the ducted systems on the inside of those aluminium tubes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a growth paradise for bacteria. It's dark, it's moisturous, and uh, it's not nev never been designed to be cleaned. So it's a fantastic paradise then for bacteria to, to flourish, but it's terrible for humans. After about five years, most real estate um, is past its uh, warranty period. And then uh, you see signs of out of control golden stuff. Uh, bacteria levels and that's actively killing people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so don't, uh, very yeah, recently, we designed, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. sorry. We, we, we designed that whole hospital 25 years ago right. with that in mind. We could charge whatever we wanted. Uh, the Sheikh was going to take all the risk. And in real estate development, risk is the, the main contributor to the cost of a real estate development. Mm -hmm. So if they've never done something, they put a risk factor in. 1.8, 1.9 sometimes if it's really risky. Um, so we left all those risk factors out. We used off-the-shelf components from Sweden, from Holland, from Denmark, and um, it worked. It worked really well. And that hospital was designed for 70% uh, of the cost of business as usual. Okay. So it was actually cost-efficient. Yeah, it was much more efficient because we had to use far less concrete, uh -huh. uh, so less ceiling height uh -huh. and uh, hydronic heating, hydronic cooling in the floors and the walls. And that's really efficient and nice and comfortable. So you'd never have that cold draft like we have in every real estate in Australia. Right. And so when, when, when I see in the news uh, articles that you sent me about a hotel where one person infected all the quarantine people we had, um, two major uh, Sydney hospitals where all the staff was plunged into isolation uh, after being exposed. That is part of that number that you earlier mentioned, 89%, I believe it was, of, of, of buildings yeah. that are not up to scratch, basically. Correct? Or? Yeah. And the problem is most HVAC engineers don't know how to design different. So I have friends in very high places and I've sent them a few SMS messages. Mm -hmm and those crucial uh, COVID outbreaks moments. And I asked them to just take COVID swipes on the inside of those ducted systems in those specific buildings. They came back positive and the building was immediately closed hmm. um, and deep cleaned. And usually they stripped out all the ducted systems. Fair enough. That's, that's a drastic, very difficult um, exercise, I have to say. Fair enough. So, if if hospitals are, on average, not not very not safe, basically, is what you're saying. Um, but then you have experts saying about planes, like I hear National Geographic, the air inside a plane is cleaner than you think, uh, thanks to HIPAA filters and efficient circulation. And uh, on commercial, you say as well that articles, a lot of articles mention that planes are safe as hospitals, and the HIPAA filters are hospital grade. Uh, but if the hospitals are not safe, then that means that the planes are not safe uh, either. Um, 
what 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 do you reckon there? Some for say some filters are poorly seated, like uh, on larger planes. Um, some filters are not always turned on. The air is stagnant or is not flowing around because people leave baggage on the floor because people are standing up, walking around because basically there's a the flow of air is not. Is, can you tell me a little bit more about that? What do you think? Well, I'm not an expert in that field, I have to say, but mm -hmm. I can remember when I started flying, mm -hmm. it was still allowed to smoke. And uh, the non-smokers were sitting in the front of the plane because in the back it was all blue from smoke. And it's the same with, with uh, COVID coughing people. Mm -hmm. Those nasty bugs go to the back of the plane. And um, yeah, they infect whole, the whole lot. So it has a big tube behind mm -hmm. and um, yeah i've seen models from from a few experts in the world that do computational fluid dynamics uh, there's a few very advanced programs uh, in that field especially with with uh, maurice de hond the dutch expert on aerosol spreads of covid bugs um, he was very very outspoken in the netherlands and i helped him uh, tune his story a bit towards a realistic solution because he was only saying uh, it's spreading with with uh, with aerosols but he didn't give a solution and i gave the solution with hydronic heating hydronic cooling and a very bit a small bit of uh, of, of ventilation from the facade and then suck out the the air via the the, the ceiling then you have a very clean, very comfortable environment that is healthy for people. Mm -hmm. um, you talk about aerosol. Obviously, the World Health Organization denied for a long time, actually rejected the fact that COVID was spread yeah. by aerosol. They only It's still here. It's still being ignored. Is that so? They still ignore it. They yeah. still do not acknowledge that it's actually happening that way. So that, that is that's just due a... to the vested interest that are yeah. selling those uh, ducted systems. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. I played a big role uh, due to my hero, Professor Van Braunschweig from Technical University Eindhoven. Uh, she was very, very outspoken, very small lady, very outspoken. She published a lot on those ducted systems and that they needed to be banned in Holland after uh, it has already been banned in 1974 in Sweden. But here, every real estate has it. So it's, yeah. Hmm. So if you talk about vested interest, then you can say the same thing about, you know, the, 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 the obviously the flight industry, uh, about National Geographic talking about planes are safe, uh, inside planes are safe. And I read some comments on some of those articles uh, from people and they say it's just not safe. The filters are placed yeah. wrong. Uh, there's turbulent, stagnant airflow, um, particularly when the plane is stagnant, uh, when people are boarding long haul flights. Even people in first class, business class seem to be more affected by this. Um, it sounds very much, to be honest with you, like the ducted air channels in hospital uh, buildings that you talk about. Is that is that is that about right? Yeah. If it has recirculating air yeah. solutions, um, and the HEPA filters are not magical filtering everything out, I have to say. Um, so, yeah, if you recirculate, uh, then the nasties come in people's lungs and get make people sick. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. And uh, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. If I explain it to children, they straight away understand it. 
If mm. I tell them to open their window in their classroom, they do it because they understand this. But if you allow the, the, the tradies, we call them here tradies, tradesmen, uh, to, to explain it, then they only protect what they have installed so they don't get sued. And the problem with sick buildings, that's what I'm talking about, is enormous. But officially in Australia, we don't have any. So there you go. Even the ones that I asked to have COVID swipes taken on the inside mm -hmm. of the duct systems are not labeled a sick building. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a touch and go area. It's a very dangerous area to say too much. Okay. Um, that's why I don't speak out in the Australian media. That's too dangerous. And architects have warned me not to do that. Wow. Okay. And that that, that sounds like same as the uh, well as the travel industry, I would say. But hey, who knows? Um, the vested interests are even bigger there. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, probably bigger yeah. companies. I mean, you got Boeing. You got uh, all the airlines that are obviously losing a lot of money at the moment. They want everything to go back to normal, right? Yeah. yeah, but it's it's in aircraft even more difficult to fix than in buildings. Buildings, it's quite easy to do, mm -hmm. and I've proven it with that American hospital that can be done even cheaper. Yeah, if you have that holistic view. But uh, yeah, normally, with all those risk factors, top on top on top on top, uh, most hospitals are being built for three, four times the price that they actually have to cost. Oh, really? Yeah, it's because of those very high risk factors. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, so, it sounds I, a bit like, like Grenfell. I know the building here in London that went on fire because obviously they put the cheapest, uh, you know, cheapest material. Yeah, problems yeah. Are, yeah. 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 all those people world. burned and, you know, and, you know, two years later, everyone shocking. forgets about it. It's shocking indeed. Yeah, same thing really, is it? Yeah, and I heard you talk with Simon Lockery, but he lives in one of those. Right. Uh, and he's very outspoken and he's won. <laughs> so his apartment block is being upgraded yeah. and they're peeling off that flammable cladding. But uh, yeah, I helped him a little bit there right. with some super experts where I do guest lectures with. Wow. But yeah, okay. I, I don't like, I, I've made an oath when I became an engineer, always to design according to the world's best practice mm -hmm. and not to the local practice. What we've always done is usually not the world's best practice. And if you've traveled a lot and you have traveled also a lot, you have seen fantastic solutions, sometimes really primitive, but fantastic, uh, like natural ventilated uh, uh, buildings in the Islamic world, standard. It's fantastic. It's really nice, comfortable and big, thick walls. It's amazing. But here we've got a heating and a cooling. It's always cold. It's insulation grade is, is that of a tent. It's just shocking how Australian buildings are made. But yeah, it is what we have to deal with. I still don't have a proper income enough to build a proper Swiss style home or a Danish <laughs> style home. Because <laughs> the, the Swiss built a building for 100 years. Uh -huh. Here we build a building for 15 years and then all the doorknobs, everything falls apart. And That's yeah, the same everywhere. Uh, That's the same everywhere. Come on. I live in, I live in <laughs> London. Everything falls apart in my house. Gee. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, in Switzerland, they start building with a big uh, 
uh, cellar with a big uh, tank of water. That's the energy reservoir for thermal energy storage over the season. So right. if you have too much heat, you put that in the summer in that tank uh -huh. to be used in the winter with your heat pump. Okay. Then you're clever. That uh, is kind uh, of engineering that falls usually on deaf ears. But it's nothing, nothing special. If you go to a Swiss building, it's just so standard. Nobody cares about that. But energy is really expensive in Switzerland. You need to import everything uh -huh. into Switzerland. They don't have their own resources. And uh, yeah, um, but buildings last. Buildings last with earthquakes. And um, oh, talking about earthquakes, you just had one, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, we had a fantastic one. <laughs> <laughs> was it six or something? Yeah, was it a six on the yeah, scale? Yeah, just a small six. Yeah, it was in the in the Blue Mountains, yeah. New York ski resort, yeah. the epicenter. Uh -huh. But yeah, I helped there to press it a little bit because they had no idea how that is is measured. Uh -huh. but yeah, I have all those tools on my phone, so I straight away knew where to, where to look and to share that kind of screen print with them so that at least they could say something on the radio that Excellent. made sense. Excellent. Uh, yeah, in Eindhoven, when I studied, I used to live next to the train station. The shakes were there, much heavier. Uh -huh. Every time when a big freight train came past, and this little shake of uh, 5.6 that we had in Melbourne. But, uh, yeah, a few buildings have uh, had walls that fell over. and. Uh, it was very, very rare for most Australians that have never left the country to to experience a, uh, a earthquake. Of course, yeah, I would be quite scared myself. New Zealand have them nearly earth... every month. Oh. Huh? Sorry. Yeah, New Zealand have them nearly every month. So Is that so? For them, it's not special. Yeah, but not not a six. The ring of, the ring of a... fire is is going through um, uh, uh, Christchurch, and um, the Christchurch earthquake was really, really bad. It was nearly eight. Right. And, um, and that collapsed nearly the half half of the main city on the South Island. Wow. Okay. Cool. Um, but yeah, this kind of infrastructure that I show behind me is yeah. uh, what I always propagate. That's uh, uh, energy systems. It looks like a leaf. Embedded in the streets. It is a leaf. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we design but, according to nature. <laughs> um, in my in my mindset, always. Okay. So that uh, if we can exchange like a tree does, then uh, you create a healthy environment. You can see from space if a forest is healthy or not. Uh, you can see if it's green, then it's a healthy forest. Yeah. Or from a long distance in a city, you can see if a tree is healthy in further down the street or not. How, how's that? If it's all it's all grey, the, the leaves are all dead. Then the twigs are all hanging funny yeah. and you can see that this is a dying tree that's a dying environment are you, are you sure it's not yeah. just autumn or winter or anything like that well still in, if you go to the mountains in switzerland in winter yeah. time yeah. you can still pick out the dead trees from the ones that lost their needles Fair enough. you can still pick them apart and uh, especially if you, if you ski in the deep snow you really want to avoid those ones that all of a sudden, a limb can fall on top of you. Uh -huh. Dead trees tend to do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's not cool. <laughs> you go with your mate through. <laughs> yeah. All right, Aaron. It's uh, fantastic. Uh, but uh, do do you live 
Do you live next to or near that uh, new Google headquarters that are building? It's no. nearly finished. No. No, that's in so uh, that's King's Cross, yeah. isn't it? Uh, I think it's King's yeah. Cross. Yeah. Yeah. They put a lot of money into that. They also just bought a building in New York as well, right next to the uh, what's it called? The uh, Hudson. Hudson. Could be. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's still they're still the building. It's by Bjarke Ingels. And he didn't want to make another skyscraper. Right. He just uh, made it uh, uh, very clever, and also with flows of water, right. flows of people that people can coincidentally meet each other. Yeah. And that's how I always uh, help communities uh, also to prosper again. Right. I, I I work as a consultant and uh, usually get hired by. Uh, communities that don't know a way others than the fossil fuel way. Uh, so uh, gas and coal is king in Australia. They run the show. They even corrupted our federal government. And uh, most communities that have experienced the, 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 the after effects from climate change, yeah. that have had ravaging uh, mega fires and have had the droughts, which is really shocking. If you had to kill all your cattle, for instance, as a farmer, it's shocking. Yeah. You can't you can't start that very easily anymore. Talking about your government, yeah. I believe that your captain of the government is not going to the COP meeting, is he? Yeah, it's it's a shame. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, I, I say. It's like it sounds country, like a sinking yeah. ship where the captain is not even on board anymore, basically. Yeah, he was last week in the United Nations, and he said this shit speech and uh, Greta Thunberg today said blah 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 also about your prime minister of course uh, yeah that is also blah 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 because he goes by plane to the G7 that's only like 400 uh, miles away or something like that it's ridiculous yeah and, and Scott Morrison when they had the G7 summit in in Cornwall yeah on the first day they went to the um, to that uh, geos geodesic dome um and uh yeah david harland I, I met him here in melbourne because they're developing a similar uh, village here in an old mine near jidlong and uh there they have uh, an old pottery mine uh, upgraded that to a really integrated healthy new ecosystem it's a tourist attraction hmm. it's set up as a tourist attraction it's a real success and that's why they invited all those global leaders to that on the first day of the COP summit. What does our prime minister do? He missed the, the airplane, so he landed in London. Then he had to take a train back to Cornwall four hours, and he missed the meeting Ta -da! because he didn't want to be associated with anything remarkable like that. Uh -huh. But uh, yeah, it's, it's our prime minister. It's an absolute shame. And before he even was elected, he came into parliament with a block of coal he said, this is the future. Wow. Yeah. That is the whole world knows that coal is not the future. So yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's been elected by those funds. So that's well, you have to support that uh, for the people that pay us. So gezegd in Nederland. Whose bread you eat, that, that's it. That word you spend. That's it. It's yeah. very yeah. simple. It's very simple. Otherwise, <laughs> you won't be elected again. It's that simple. <laughs> but it's it's for consultants like me it's it's just very hard to box against that they've got very deep pockets they just uh, run uh, misinformation campaigns 
Um, but yeah. Well, the only way that it's all going to work, um, you know, is, is when you can show that you make more money, that they can make more money by being sustainable. That's the only fair. I mean, even Boris Johnson, he is now, you know, he says we're not going to back down on North Sea drilling over the next decade or something like that. So he's, you know, one way he's saying, oh, we have to step up and we have to make no more investments into fossil fuel. And then he says, yeah, oh, North Sea drilling for oil. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, but this yeah. whole oil shock you have at the moment in the UK will wake a lot of the population up. This, sure. this whole Brexit, yeah. the whole Brexit drama is just a disaster. <laughs> and I knew that. And he has been warned for five years by industrialists, by people like myself, uh, even three months before the Brexit, I had a meeting with delegates from Australia with that uh, African originating energy minister okay. that you have in, in the UK. I don't remember his name. Neither do I, to be honest. That was a, a free trade agreement with Australia and it was a celebrational event. I said, well, it's been signed or prepared by our biggest coal lobbyist, uh, Tony Abbott. Um, yeah, and, and later it was released to the public. So they just scratched out all requirements for a Paris uh, Agreement uh, compliance. They, they scratched that whole part out of the free trade agreement. It's an absolute shame. Huh. Yeah. It is what it is. But what can we do? We are not the government, Peter. No, so, uh... but if it was a government, I would be corrupt <laughs> as well. What can I say? You know? <laughs> no, no I, I, I'm, I'm, I only like to work with people that that have gone through trauma because I've, I've had a hand infection myself from Golden Staff in 2005. Right. I survived. I, I fought really hard. I uh, had an antibiotica cocktail of seven antibioticas at the one go. So big handfuls of antibiotica. Um, it destroyed my gut system, but I'm still alive. And I'm grateful for every day that I'm still alive. Right. You cannot buy your health back. No. I can't speak to that, but obviously you can. Um, but And uh, that's yeah. why I'm so, so passionate about helping people. Mm -hmm. And I even help the doctors and the nurses in the hospitals because they are not HVAC engineers. They don't know where to measure, what to look for if there's a COVID outbreak. So I have quite a few good doctors that I send direct emails like I do direct with trusted politicians and they they are grateful they, they come back with solutions but it's it's a hard struggle and I hope we can get more of these hearing aids handed out so people listen actually and uh, the more uh, people that are very passionate about this and that's why I do so many guest lectures and I do these kind of appearances in in the media we need good storytellers, especially young children, tend to send the message really passionate across the line. Hmm. And uh, uh, if you have a whole group of students that say to their teacher, we want our window open, we want fresh air, because they know they learn better, they know it doesn't make them sick, um, Yeah, then the teacher has to listen, because if you are against, as a teacher, against 30 kids in your class, you can't teach anything. If you have 30 happy kids and healthy kids, then you have thriving communities. And uh, 
that's what we do. So I sometimes break the rules even a bit. I bring, I bring equipment in, I, I dress up uh, as Emmet the Lego hero. I put a Viking helmet in on, on my head uh, just to make impact. Otherwise you are just another uh, talking uh, suit in, a, in with a PowerPoint presentation and then they don't remember anything what you say. Of course. So yeah, even even my wooden shoes, Peter, yeah. always ready for action. <laughs> <laughs> I'll cut that part out. Sometimes we need to do the confidence. <laughs> I'm gonna buy some wooden shoes as well next time I go to Holland, whatever that may be. Because at the moment, if you go into Holland, even if you have double vaccinated and you go into a cafe or or whatever, you still have to have a test. They say even if you, even though you have double vaccination, which I think is a bit much, yeah. but you know. Yeah, thanks to the anti-vaxxers and the anti-media campaigns. Uh, sure, I know. Yeah, and, yeah. and the fact that it didn't order in uh, in time those uh, those vaccinations, like AstraZeneca, they just didn't put any money in. They just said, "Oh, we have to test it first before we pay any money," and then they were late to the table. It's yeah, that simple. That, yeah. that that happened here in Australia, and yeah. I had a severe battle with our. Uh, current health minister, his previous portfolio was energy, and he was also bullying me the same. He was just ridiculing me publicly, and it's just astonishing. He's just so ignorant. Um, he has let Australian uh, people with COVID really down. He has held this lockdown really way too long on. We are the world champion in lockdown. Yeah. But you know what? I think that the people who died and the people who got severely ill from this, they can at a certain point they will sue those responsible, those the government. They will sue the government. I can I, see I can see a loss that's coming all over the world. You know? I expect that too. Yeah. A crime against humanity. Yeah. Pretty uh, much. That, that will that will go ahead in the Hague yeah. some for some Well that will be for the world, but I think be... that everyone will basically if you if if you have a family member that passed away, they will blame those people that did not make any efforts in time. To do something about it, yeah. But in the UK, that's why even so, so urgently declaring the state of emergency because then they can do whatever they want, ah. and then you can't sue people like they are threatening to do. Uh -huh. But yeah, I've helped uh, retirement villages where all of a sudden, within three days, forty-eight people died. Yeah, yeah. And that just does your head in. <clears throat> it just uh, most retirement villages that have that I visited over the last 20 years have never had openable windows. Oh, really? So you can't open the windows? Stale, that all stale air. Ah, okay. Then you have to have oh. only tiny little bits of COVID uh -huh. and all these weak elderly die instantly. Uh -huh. And that's what really brought me to write very firmly worded uh, articles in Dutch, you can see it. I'll share it with you. Uh, it's been published and it's the most popular article on Maurice de Hond's website. Okay. And, but it's already there for more than a year. And, uh, but yeah, we speak multiple languages. We traveled a lot. We've seen the differences between the different countries. Well, multiple languages. I speak Dutch and I speak English, I believe. And that, that's about it. My German is, is, uh, is. Well, un petit peu de français? Un petit peu, un petit peu. <laughs> <laughs> Je ne comprends pas. Un croissant, pas. Et un, <laughs> un croissant, euh, 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all you need, really, is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Student yeah. life, Peter. Uh, yeah, exactly. Student. Student life. Exactly. A beer and a croissant, all good. <laughs> all right, then. Should we close it off? <laughs> yes, that's fantastic. Thanks a lot, Peter. Thanks a lot, hey. Okay, that was a podcast with Erwin Boermans of Comfort ID in Australia. Um, you can find more information and you can find the latest news on sustainable news. That's sustainable.news. Um, you have been listening to Peter, Peter de Vries. I appreciate you doing so. And don't forget to tune in next time. <laughs>